Protesters tear down statues of great Americans while the editor of the 1619 Project cheers them on. Shootings break out in major cities across the United States. And President Trump throws a sort of party in Tulsa. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com slash Ben. I got a ton to get to today. I mean, like a lot to get to today. And we'll get to all of it in just one second. First, let us talk about a simple fact. Now, these days you're sitting at home a lot. And perhaps one of the things you've forgotten to do is brush your teeth. I know it's one of those things that sounds small, but it's actually quite large. Because if you don't brush your teeth, that actually has implications for all of your health. Good health means starting with good habits. And Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to brush and floss better. The Quip Electric Toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute routine. There's even a size-down version just for kids. Paired with Quip's anti-cavity toothpaste and mint or watermelon, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need, and none they don't. Also, very often, you know, if you, if you go to the grocery store and buy the parts, and then you forget the parts, like another 30 days later, it's a problem, right? Now you're using an old brush head or you run out of floss and for a week you don't have the floss. That's never going to happen again with Quip. Quip brush head toothpaste and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks each. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health and shipping is free. Join over three million happy customers, practice good oral care, and if you go to getquip.com slash Shapiro right now, you get your first refill for free. Again, that's getquip.com slash Shapiro. I've been using Quip for years. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Shapiro. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Shapiro. Quip, the good habits company. Okay, so I'm sure that back in high school, somebody forced you to read 1984 by George Orwell. You may not remember it that well, but one of the key components of 1984 is this idea that the party, right, that the entire book is about the the Communist Party in Russia, but obviously it's disguised as sometime in the future in the West. In 1984, one of the, one of the key components of the party is the attempt to rewrite history and rewrite reality. It is a key component. Right? All dissenting views must be quashed and history must be rewritten. There's a part where one character is explaining to another character exactly what the party does in order to rewrite reality in the minds of its constituents. And this character says, Do you realize that the past, starting from yesterday, has it been actually abolished? If it survives anywhere, it's in a few solid objects with no words attached to them, like that lump of glass there. Already, we know almost literally nothing about the revolution and the years before the revolution. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. I know, of course, the past is falsified, but it would never be possible for me to prove it even when I did the falsification myself. After the thing is done, no evidence ever remains. The only evidence is inside my own mind, and I don't know with any certainty that any other human being shares my memories. So in other words, the constant rewriting of history is necessary in order for perpetual revolution to continue. Because, of course, if people remember the past, if people remember that not all the principles being espoused by the party in 1984 are right or are actually in concert with reality or history, then it presents a threat to the party. And so all of history must be wiped away. All of history must be rewritten. We have to relaunch at year zero. And we are seeing this from today's revolutionaries. And I am not exaggerating here. The goal of many people on the, what I called in my book, the disintegrationist left, the goal of many of those people is to destroy all icons of American history, to destroy American history itself. And this is why you see in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park, 
the tearing down of a wide variety of statues, including statues of people who are deeply instrumental in ending slavery and fighting the the anti-Reconstruction South. So Ulysses S. Grant, who is now being sort of in, in revisionist fashion, thought of as a very, very good president, right? Originally, he was thought of as, as not a great president because of corruption and venality, supposedly during his administration. It turns out a lot of that history had been written by people who are sort of sympathetic to the South. Ulysses S. Grant is now seen as not only the general who smashed the Confederacy, but also the president who helped try to implement Reconstruction in a way that preserved the rights of black Southerners. And the end of his presidency meant the end of Reconstruction efforts in America for 100 years. It was really a tragedy, the end of his presidency. The Reconstructionist Republicans, the radical Republicans, were basically ousted from power at about the same time as Ulysses S. Grant. Ulysses S. Grant is a great hero of American history. We're not talking here about taking down Robert E. Lee statues, right, which is controversial in and of itself. We're certainly not talking about taking down Nathan Bedford Forrest statues, right, the founder of the KKK. You're talking about taking down the statues of the guy who was the most instrumental general in destroying the slaveholding Confederacy. And the morons, I would say, you know, maybe they're not morons because, again, they have an agenda. But the, the I would say the, the moral fools on the, on the radical left have decided that even statues of Ulysses S. Grant have to be taken down. According to The Hill, while Grant is widely celebrated as being one of the leading forces who helped the Union win the Civil War, bringing an end to slavery in the United States, some historians have pointed to his complicated relationship with slavery. Because, as we know, most people did not have a complicated relationship with slavery in 1859. And slavery wasn't a thing in 1859. Protesters in San Francisco on Friday toppled the statue of former President Grant. San Francisco police said approximately 400 people gathered around 8 p.m. to take down the statue and no arrests were made. Where exactly are the cops during all this? Where is the law and order that we were promised exactly from the White House? Where exactly does this perpetual revolution end? Also torn down in the park, the statues of St. Junipero Serra and Francis Scott Key, who wrote the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner. And people on the left are, are really hesitant to condemn any of this. The, I've seen very little upset over the taking down of the statue of Junipero Serra, despite the fact that Joe Biden was on tape, and so is Nancy Pelosi, standing in front of a statue of St. Junipero Serra, I believe with the Pope, a few years back, because, of course, he is a Catholic saint. The, the Grant statue coming down is really the key, right? Because the, when you talk about Junipero Serra, you can at least make the case that he treated the, the natives badly, but even Junipero Serra, it, it, he's really in line with Columbus, right? The idea here is that when Western peoples came to the New World, that they destroyed the New World on the back of their Western imperialism, because, of course, imperialism, colonialism, and evil never existed until the West arrived in the New World. But, okay, Junipero Serra, who was the founder of the mission system in, in California on behalf of the Spanish government, his statue was taken down. They went after a statue of Cervantes, which doesn't even make sense, right? Cervantes, the guy who wrote Don Quixote. Cervantes was held as a slave for five years. They went after his statue anyway, because they don't, they don't know anything. They didn't know who this guy was. They just saw a white guy, and so they, they decided to deface his statue was the basic idea here. But the taking down of the statue of Grant is, is so telling, because again, Grant is a figure who stood against slavery. Grant is a figure who's instrumental in destroying the Confederacy. Grant stands for all the things that the protesters say they stood for, at least if you're looking at his public image. He has to be taken down, too, because all of American history has to be rewritten, not as the story of a country struggling to overcome the evils of human nature, struggling to overcome its own inability to fulfill its founding principles. Instead, the country has to be rewritten as evil from founding. And the only good people who have ever lived, make no mistake, the only good people who have ever lived are leftists from the radical 60s on. Everybody else in human history was bad. 
Everybody from the 1960s on who was radical was good. And even the 60s radicals were not radical enough. And they must be thrown out of the universities today. They were still a little bit too liberal, the radicals from the 1960s, because they, they used to say things like, we want to live a life beyond color in the United States. We want to live a life where race doesn't matter in the United States. See, even that is inherently racist. And so even they are not good. The only people who are good are the people who read the 1619 Project and think that it represents all of American history. The only people who are good today are the, the anti-racists pushed forward by Ibrahim Kendi, right? Those are the only people who are good in the United States today. They live right now. Isn't it amazing to live at this time when the only good people live, right? No good people have ever lived before. And if you took those people who are good today and you plopped them down in 1850, they would believe exactly the same things they believe today in 1850. They would have been out there in the streets stumping for transgender rights and gay marriage and for anti-racism of the mold that talks about how if you say that you are colorblind and you are totally in favor of the equality of races, then that's not enough, right? They, they, would, they would have exactly the same politics today as if they were plopped down in 1500 because history doesn't matter, right? History doesn't exist. The only thing that matters is that the only moral people who live now are the people who are in charge of our cultural revolution. We're going to get to the ideological basis for this because it's very clear, okay, this is not happening in a vacuum. And the people who are pushing it forward are deeply, deeply dishonest. They're honest about their own desire to tear down the country. They are deeply dishonest about what exactly they are saying, because what they're saying is just a pack of lies. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that maybe these days you're tearing out your own hair, or maybe you're just one of the two out of three dudes who's going to experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they are 35. The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left, because once the hair is gone, it probably ain't coming back all that easily. Prevention is key. Keeps will help you Make sure that your hair is not lost. They make it easy. They deliver your medication every three months. You can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor's visits. You can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your door. Keeps treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results. So it is important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you will save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. Nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. I've been using Keeps myself because male pattern baldness does run in the family. I'd like to keep the hair that I have. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Ben to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben. If you want to keep a magnificent head of hair like this one, make sure that you go check out keeps.com slash Ben. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben. Keeps.com slash Ben. So they tore down a statue of Grant, suggesting, of course, that Grant wasn't abolitionist enough. Again, only responsible for the breaking of the back of the Confederacy, only responsible for overseeing the radical Republican attempts at Reconstruction. But bad guy, bad guy. Now, what's amazing is that some semi-sane people on the left will push back against the radicals, but many will not. So Adam Serwer, who writes for The Atlantic and is definitely a member of the hardcore left, he says, Grant did briefly own one slave he freed years before the war, but as a general, he smashed the Confederacy. As president, he crushed the Klan. He presided over the ratification of the 15th Amendment. People going after Grant probably just want to break things. And Matthew Iglesias, right, who I've called the Ralph Wiggum of the internet, right? I'm not a huge Matthew Iglesias fan, although he has been kind of cudgeled into sanity over the last several months. Right? You're seeing him start to crack back against some of the, the insanity of the censorious left. He, he tweeted out, feels like this is slippery slope overreach. But here is the thing. Here is the thing. There is a group of intellectuals who actually believe in this stuff. Nicole Hannah-Jones is the leader of this cadre. Nicole Hannah-Jones is the creator of the 1619 Project. Now, you've heard me rip on the 1619 Project since inception because the 1619 Project, when we talk about that 1984 rewriting of dates, 
and restarting of history and rewriting of history. She is exhibit A in this. First of all, she won a Pulitzer Prize for bad history. That's literally what she won a Pulitzer Prize for. So she won a Pulitzer Prize. She brags about it. Her history was so bad that the New York Times had to correct it. She was chided by no less than three other Pulitzer Prize winning historians because her history was not good. And she basically creates things out of whole cloth. Like she says things online that are just ahistorical in the extreme. She'll say that the Second Amendment is founded in white supremacy and pro-slavery, which of course is not even close to true. That's not even close to true. Okay, but that, that is her contention. She was put in, she's basically been handed the keys to the car over at the New York Times to the point where she has the capacity basically to ask the editorial page editor if she's angry at the editorial page editor for running an, an editorial by Senator Tom Cotton. She, she's been granted the keys to the car. Has, has this lady. And she's very bad at her job, but she is, is not like one of the more sane members of the left who say, maybe we're going a little too far here, guys, when we're tearing down statues of Ulysses S. Grant. Instead, she's kind of like okay with it. She's kind of okay with it. So to understand why she's okay with it, you first have to understand that she's okay with the general ideology of tearing down American history. In fact, she thinks it's good. She wants American history torn down from inception so we can rewrite history as the story of cruelty, evil, and malice. And then we can tear down all of America's institutions. Remember, as I talked about last week, there's been a shift on the left from in the definition of racism itself. Racism in the 1960s was seen as an obstacle that once overcome would free all Americans to have equal rights under law as provided by the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. This was the MLK definition of racism. And Martin Luther King definition of racism is there are racist policies that deliberately target one group of people. There are racist people who deliberately target one group of people. And if we can stop those people and those policies, then freedom will have been granted, and now you have individual agency to pursue your lives. Then in the 1960s, late 1960s, early 1970s, the definition of racism itself shifted, and suddenly it went from racism is, is an obstacle to be overcome to racism is the system. The system equals racism, and there's an equal sign there. And that means the only way to get rid of racism is to tear down the system itself. All institutions of the system are inherently white supremacist. The only way to tear down the white supremacy of the system is to tear down the system itself. They are inextricable. It is not that the systems are good and were plagued by the, the problem and evil of white supremacy. It is that white supremacy created the systems, white supremacy maintains the systems, and even if you stop the openly racist policies, even if you stop the open racists from pursuing their goals, the system itself was constructed by people who are racist and therefore can never be fixed. This is, it, it's, it's the same sort of ideology that suggests that you have to tear down the art of artists because they had bad personal lives, right? because they came from exactly the same place. So all of the institutions have to be destroyed because the institutions themselves were bad. And the reason they were bad is they were founded by people who were white supremacists and racists. And you've seen this you know, across, like there is no limit to this principle, no limit at all. I mean, the, the New York Museum of Natural History has now announced they're going to take down a statue of Teddy Roosevelt not kidding. There's a statue of Teddy Roosevelt that's coming down. So the, the, the Roosevelt who, you know, interned several hundred thousand Japanese Americans, those statues are still up. But Teddy Roosevelt is being removed from the Museum of Natural History. Why? Because supposedly he is a symbol of colonialism and racism. I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing all the Woodrow Wilson monuments coming down. But Teddy Roosevelt is bad, too. Everyone is bad, right? All, all people in history are bad. The museum took action, according to the New York Times, amid a heated national debate over the appropriateness of statues or monuments that first focused on Confederate symbols like Robert E. Lee and has now moved on to a wider arc of figures from Christopher Columbus to Winston Churchill, namely everyone, namely everyone. As we remember last week, a crowd set fire to a statue of George Washington. OK, so to get back to the 1619 Project and their goals, they're not being they're not being closed about this. They're not being subtle about any of this. OK, so 
there was a, an article in the New York Times called Call Them the 1619 Riots. And the basic idea is the idea that I have been promulgating here, which is that a lot of the people who are rioting and looting are under the wildness impression pushed forward by those on the radical left in academia, in the media, that America is inherently and forever evil and must be torn down from its roots. And that includes George Washington. That includes Thomas Jefferson. That includes everybody. This is not restricted to the evils of the Confederacy. This is not restricted to the evils of slavery. We have to tear down Washington because he was a slaveholder. We have to tear down Jefferson because he was a slaveholder. We have to tear down Grant because he held a slave for a year. We have to tear down everyone. Teddy Roosevelt has to come down. Everyone has to come down. Everyone. Cervantes has to, like everyone has to come down. Okay, so there was that article in the New York Post called, called them the 1619 Riots. And Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's the creator of the, of the 1619 Project, right? she tweeted back, it would be an honor. Thank you. Again, the picture that was featured in this tweet is a picture of a statue of George Washington on the ground, I believe. Is that George Washington on the ground? That may, okay. The, the, the story itself is about the tearing down of the statue of George Washington. At least that much is fair. The story talks about the destruction of very, that's a Thomas Jefferson statue. I'm sorry. This is about, and, and on it is painted slave owner. And of course, if you look at that torn down statue of George Washington, people had spray painted 1619 on the statue because the idea is that the true founding, remember that, that quote from Orwell, the true founding, the true date that matters is 1619 and not 1776, not 1865. The true, the true story of America is 1619 forever and always. And it doesn't matter what intervening events have happened. It doesn't matter what has happened to vitiate any of that. It doesn't matter how many Americans died in order to rectified the founding vision of the United States. It doesn't matter. 600,000 Americans died in the Civil War. It doesn't matter that literally millions of white Americans had to back the civil rights movement in order for the civil rights movement to actually take effect. The, the, the real history of the United States is instead one of racial conflict in which black Americans were the only people. This is literally something Nicole Hannah-Jones has basically said, that black people were the only people who were basically standing against the tyranny of America forever and always. Because America's evil and has to be torn down. So she tweets out, it would be an honor to call these the 1619 riots. An honor to call these the 1619 riots. The rioting and the looting and the tearing down of American statues. We'll get more into this viewpoint, which is pernicious and nasty and quite evil for the United States. We'll get into that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that going to the post office right now, probably not a good idea. It was never all that great to go to the post office. I mean, Lots of great services there, but did you really want to wait in line? Well, now the idea of schlepping boxes to the post office and then waiting in line at the post office in a closed space, probably not the best idea. Instead, why don't you just do all of this from home and save money in the process? Here at Daily Wire, we've been using Stamps.com since 2017. We will not waste our time. Stamps.com offers UPS services too with discounts up to 62%, no UPS residential surcharges. Stamps.com will bring all the services of the U.S. Postal Service directly to your computer in the safety and comfort of your own home, office, or anywhere else you are hunkering down right now. Whether you're a small business sending invoices and online seller shipping out products or you're just working from home and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a free package pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. 
No human contact is required. It is indeed that simple. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially right now. It saves you time, it saves you money, and it will keep you safe in these insane times. If you got a way to save money, why wouldn't you do it? Right now, my listeners get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitment. Just head on over to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com, and use that code Shapiro. Type it in at the top of the homepage where the microphone is, again, Stamps.com, and use code Shapiro for that special deal. Okay, so Nicole Hannah-Jones, again, makes very, very clear exactly what it is she is after here. She doesn't just tweet out that it is an honor to have been the, the creator of a project that has been used as the ideological basis for the tearing down of all of American history. She then tweets out about Ulysses S. Grant. So as I say, some people on the left, and again, Adam Soror is a man of the left. He says, yeah, we might be going a little far with this Grant stuff. Matthew Iglesias may be going a little bit far with this Grant stuff. Nicole Hannah-Jones, again, the 1619 Project Pulitzer Prize winner for an essay so bad it had to be corrected by the New York Times. She writes, I think maybe Grant's is not a statue worth toppling. I think maybe, maybe it's not a statue worth toppling. It's not that it's bad to topple the statue. It's not that it's a moral evil or a blot to topple the statue of a man who is the chief, the, the chief architect of the destruction of the Confederacy and the guy behind the 15th Amendment and the guy behind the radical reconstruction attempt to, to stop the KKK. No, no. No, maybe it's just not worth it. You know, guys, maybe, maybe we shouldn't bother. She says, I also understand after decades of shrugs when people spoke of the hurt of having been demeaned by public tributes, of entering buildings, of walking past art that celebrated white supremacists, how, overzealous, how overzealousness occurs. Oh, so it's just overzealousness tearing down the grand statues. That's what it's just a little overzealous, guys. Don't you understand? You know, you ignored it when they wanted to tear down all of the statues of like Robert E. Lee and, Nick, and Nathan Bedford Forrest. And you can see how people would be like, you know, upset. And so tear down the person who destroyed Robert E. Lee and Nathan Bedford Forrest. That, that makes perfect sense. I know that when, when people say to me, you know, Ben, you know, you, you're going too hard after the commies. My first reaction is to burn an American flag because that makes perfect sense. I just go directly after the people who are also going after the people I was going after. That makes perfect sense. I hit my friends. That's, that's exactly my point. You know, when you, when you stop people from taking down statues of Confederates, well, I mean, you can see why they would get overzealous and then take down statues of Union generals. This makes perfect sense if you are an idiot. Okay, that's not only what she said. She says, there was plenty of time to reckon before this moment. People who are not degraded and demeaned by public art and didn't think it was important, didn't think it that important. And now people want to control which are righteous and which are not. Statues torn down can be put back up, but the reckoning is here. And that, of course, is the point. The reckoning has no limits. The reckoning is here, guys. And we can't, we can't condemn people for being overzealous and defacing statues of Ulysses S. Grant or tearing down statues of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, or talking about renaming Columbus, Ohio, Flaverton. Which, what is this, a, a parody? That's, that's literally a thing. People, there, there's a petition of thousands of people. They signed a petition to rename Columbus, Ohio, because it's named after Columbus. Christopher Columbus, the, the evil, evil man who brought Western civilization to the New World. Right? They, there's a petition to rename Columbus, Ohio, Flavortown, after Guy Fieri. Which meant, because I'm sure Guy Fieri has never sinned. And also, I think that his contribution to the world is definitely on par. I mean, I, I don't know much about Guy Fieri, but I feel like his contribution to Western civilization is directly on par with the explorer who found the new world on behalf of Western civilization. Ma makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense, guys. By the way, Columbia University, I look forward to them renaming themselves. That should be really exciting as well. Okay, and then Nicole Hannah-Jones continues. Perhaps this gives us the opportunity to stop deifying men who, like all human beings, were terribly flawed and to instead provide an opportunity for a reckoning that does not obscure the complexities of nation built on ideals of freedom and the practice of slavery. 
okay, but couldn't you do that with the statue standing? Because it seems like the purpose of the statues would be to jog conversation about the person. And also, that is a case for removing Confederate statues. It is not a case for removing Union statues or the statues of the founders. See, a nuanced history would allow the statues to stand. This is a point Condoleezza Rice has made. Now, I, I will say it is, it is sort of hilarious. She also has suggested, by the way, that we, we should not contextualize people. It's very bad to contextualize people. She said, I'm sick of hearing that Ulysses S. Grant was a man of his times. Ulysses S. Grant wasn't, you know, a man of his times is phraseology that's bad. It's bad phraseology. Why is it bad phraseology? Well, because it justifies people's behavior. And then she goes on and she says, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just Grant who was a man of his time. Hitler was a man of his time. Hitler was a man of his time is, is something that she actually says. This person won a Pulitzer Prize. Hitler was a man of his time is a thing that she actually tweeted. She said, I'm not advocating against nuance and balance. I am saying that particular phrase is just really offensive. I mean, Hitler was a man of his time. Osama bin Laden was a man of his time. It's a justification and unnecessary. Okay, first of all, I feel like Hitler was a man of his time is not quite the same thing as George Washington was a man of his time. Right? Hitler was, if you're telling me that in 1941, nobody knew that genociding millions of people was wrong, as opposed to in 1770, slavery was the rule rather than the exception around planet Earth. Right? That a man of his time suggests that this was a commonly held viewpoint and that most people sort of were okay with it, even though it was evil at the time. That's a man of his time. Hitler was very much not a man of his time when it came to, you know, genociding millions of people. Osama bin Laden was not exactly a man of his time. Osama bin Laden flew planes into the World Trade Centers. It was kind of outrageous. You may remember because we were alive during that one. Does anybody think, oh, 2001? Yeah, that was that time when people just flew planes into buildings. It was just a thing. It was a man of his time. You know, Osama bin Laden, man of his time. This person is, she's a fool. She's a fool. She's a moral, she's a moral idiot. And this person was rewarded with the, with the Pulitzer Prize. Man of his time. My favorite is that she says, I'm not against nuance and balance, but we can't, we can't say man of his time because it's a bad phrase, a bad phrase. By the way, unless you're saying that Fidel Castro is a man of his time, just a couple of years back, she was defending Fidel Castro. She was suggesting, one can't look at Castro's treatment of dissent and economic woes in a vacuum as if the United States did not play a huge role in both. This is November of 2016. Defending Fidel Castro, man of his time. She says, what I've tweeted about is asking for a sophisticated, nuanced view of Castro, period. So, she, so yes on the sophisticated, nuanced view of Castro, no on the sophisticated, nuanced view of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Ulysses S. Grant. No on that. This person, I mean, this is just doltish stuff. It seriously is. It's doltish stuff. Well done, New York Times, for putting this person on a pedestal and making her the arbiter of history. She's one of the only good people in human history. It's pretty amazing. She gets to sit there and judge everybody else in human history outside the context of their time. And she can actually determine that Fidel Castro was not only, Fidel Castro was, so what we've gotten from her is Fidel Castro was a man of his time, but in a good way, right? We have to put him in, we have to contextualize Fidel Castro. But if we're talking about, you know, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Ulysses S. Grant, stop saying men of their time because Hitler was a man of his time and Bin Laden was a man of his time. What absolute sheer nonsense. And this person won a Pulitzer Prize. By the way, that's the only thing that matters to her, obviously. Somebody tweeted at her, you literally had to post a correction for a piece that won a Pulitzer, and you're going to preach to others about studying up on history? Buy a mirror, sweetheart. And she, wrote, and she wrote back, that won a Pulitzer. Yes, you did win a Pulitzer because the Pulitzer Prizes have become a, a demented shadow of themselves. It's pathetic. Okay, so what is the end goal here? The end goal, as it was in 1984, is the perpetual revolution. There cannot be an end point. There cannot be any sort of actual end point. 
Okay, and, and not only can there not be any sort of endpoint, quick further note on, on Nicole Hannah-Jones, this person is so all-fired virtuous that she implied last night that fireworks that were being set off starting about 8 p.m., ending about 2 a.m. in Brooklyn were actually an attempt, I'm not kidding you, were an attempt to scare black and brown people may be promoted by the government. This is, this is a series of things she tweeted out. She tweeted out just asking questions. You guys, okay, so here's the thing. Many of us on the right, we think that Alex Jones is a ridiculous person. We think he's a ridiculous person. Like Alex Jones should not be up for the Pulitzer. But this lady just won the Pulitzer. And she is literally tweeting out that people setting off fireworks until 2 a.m. is probably white supremacists trying to scare black and brown people. Okay, I can tell you, I live in Los Angeles. People have been setting off fireworks every single night for weeks. Every single night, four weeks until all hours of the morning. I'm fairly certain it is not a government-sponsored threat to black and brown people. The most intelligent, wisest being out there. So, okay, so what exactly are people after? They are after the perpetual revolution. The perpetual revolution. And for white leftists, this feels good. Because all you have to do is disassociate from the key institutions of the United States and from the key, key ideologies of the United States, and then you will be good again. Don't you understand? You'll be good again. This is how you end up with Robin DeAngelo being trotted out by all of these major publications as some sort of expert on white racism and white fragility. By the way, white lady getting rich off of racism is really an ironic thing. It's pretty incredible. Right? She's out selling ta coats right now, which is pretty impressive. Here she is, Robin DeAngelo. She's being quoted by NPR. She says, we have to interrupt the systems we live within. Okay, I don't even know what the hell that means. What does that mean to interrupt the system? Is that even in English? How do you interrupt the system? The hell are you talking about? She's using deliberately vague language so that the standards are fungible and changeable. Because if you say, listen, I condemn that. That's not interrupting the system. You have to interrupt the system. Okay, well, I tore down a statue. Is that enough? Maybe that's enough. Here's Robin DeAngelo, author of White Fragility, who is a crazy person and is being trotted at. Because, again, one of the goals here is to be deliberately vague. You have to understand that when it comes to talking about racism, one of the goals is it used to be the old definition of racism. You could be very, very specific about what was racist. You know what was racist? A Jim Crow law. That was racist. It explicitly said black people are not allowed to do this thing that white people are allowed to do. You used to be able to say this person is a racist. This person will not do for a black person what he would do for a white person. Now the standards have changed. And the reason the standards have changed is because so long as you keep the standards changing, all that exists is the party. All that exists is the new standard. It's not that the goalposts are moving. It's the goalposts never existed. The goalposts, this is Lucy with the football. And the minute you give in to the radical left, that is the minute that they've got you by the nose and they can just pull you anywhere they want by the nose. It's incredible. Here's Robin DiAngelo saying exactly this. When you back one group's collective bias with that kind of power, it is transformed into a far-reaching system. It becomes the default. It's automatic. It's not dependent on your, you know, agreement or belief or approval. It's circulating 24-7-365. So racism is the foundation of the society we are in. And to simply carry on with absolutely no um, active uh, interruption of that system is to be complicit with it. And in that way, we can say that nice white people are racist. Ah, nice white people who oppose racism are actually racist because they're not anti-racism. And anti-racism, because the definition of racism is chimerical and shifting. 
To be anti-racist means do the things Robin DiAngelo says you must do or Nicole Hannah-Jones says you must do. See, there is a cadre of woke priests and you must listen to the woke priests because this is a religion now. And you have to listen to the woke priests and if the woke priests tell you to do a thing and you don't do the thing, this makes you not anti-racist and therefore racist. Right? You have to be an activist on behalf of the people who are constantly changing the standards. They read the chicken entrails and then they tell you what you have to do today in order to be considered not racist, in order to be considered anti-racist. And it's not enough to say I'm against racism because you see, you're only against the old style of racism. But the new definition of racism, which shifts and change and is miasmatic, deliberately so, deliberately vague, the goal there is to make sure that you're constantly at the beck and call of your woke peers and your woke betters. That is the goal here. And by the way, you know who this makes feel the best of all? It makes feel the best of all elitists, because those people get to set the standard. You want to be part of the priesthood, right? The priesthood is the place to be, because it also gives you the responsibility over everyone else. For white woke leftists, this is the best thing, right? As I mentioned last week, Shelby Steele's written about this. What this means for white woke, left, woke white leftists, particularly, is that they are better than other white people, right? White liberals are bad, but woke white leftists are good because white, woke white leftists get to set the standard for the other white liberals. They're superior to everybody else in the United States. Robin DiAngelo is superior to you. She's a better person than you because she has the decoder ring that she got in her box of Cracker Jack. She has the red, she has the red rider decoder ring from Christmas Story, and she's going to tell you exactly what you have to do. She's superior to other white people. And she's also, this is tacitly said, as Shelby Steele puts it, she's superior to black people in her own mind. Why? Because black people need her guidance. Black people need her help. Black people have no agency. Black people have no independence or freedom in the United States, absent the white people like Robin DeAngelo, who can sit there and rejigger the system and interrupt the systems. They need her help. She's very, very important now. Before, she was just some white lady, but now she is super duper important. Okay, this is dangerous. It's dangerous to the country. It's dangerous to black Americans. There's a great column in the Wall Street Journal today about exactly this by a man named Ian Rowe. I'm going to read it to, I'm going to talk about it in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that now's not a great time to go over to the, to the local auto zone. In fact, never is a great time to go to the local auto zone. Why? Well, probably you're paying too much money, right? You go in and then they have different price levels for people who are professionals or do-it-yourselfers, or they may not have the exact part and they have to order the exact part, or they just give you some generic part that doesn't work all that great. Instead, head on over to the interwebs and use rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a lot easier than walking into a store and someone demanding quick answers to things like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then the person behind the counter has to dig behind the counter to find what you're looking for. They probably don't have it. Instead, head on over to rockauto.com. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The rockauto.com catalog, it's unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Okay, so as I say, the Robin DeAngelo view of the world, the Nicole Hannah-Jones view of the world, that there is this woke priesthood that gets to dictate to the rest of America exactly how they ought to act and how they ought to think and has to tear down all the systems in exactly the way they say. It's incredibly demeaning to everyone in the country who is not a member of the priesthood. If you're not a member of the priesthood caste, then the priesthood caste, then you are you are out in the wilderness and you must bow before them. Right? That is the real goal here. This is particularly bad for black Americans. Ian Rowe is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal. He has a piece called The Power of Personal Agency. 
Now, you'll recall, I've talked about this at length, that the worst thing that you can say to somebody in the United States is, your destiny is not in your own hands. Your destiny is in the hands of Robin DeAngelo and Nicole Hannah-Jones and all the people who are going to rewrite the system top to bottom. And we're not talking about systems that are deliberately designed to keep people down. We're talking about just general freedom-based equal rights before law systems. Those systems themselves have to be torn down. And then you tell people the way that Michelle Obama did in her graduation speech, that if you're young and black in America and you do all the right things, you're still not going to get ahead. That's like the worst thing you can do. So Ian Rowe writes, herein lies the great danger of this moment. The next generation of Americans, black and white, might grow up believing that the entire destiny of one race rests in the hands of another, which must first renounce its privilege before any progress can be made. The potential damage is that young people are robbed of their sense of personal agency, the belief and ability that can control their own destiny. He says, for the past decade, I've run a network of public charter schools in the South Bronx and the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Our mission has been to empower the students we educate, most of whom are black or Hispanic and from low-income houses, to become whatever they want to be, regardless of the actions of any quote-unquote oppressive majority. When helping young people of all races to envision what is possible, we have to counter what Tyrone Howard of the University of California, Los Angeles, calls the, quote, pathological depiction of and belief in the inferiority of black people, culture, and history. Instead, we must identify and speak about black excellence, especially now when the prevailing notion seems to be that black people's efforts are futile in the face of white supremacy. We must accentuate the positive stories of millions of black men and women who are living the American dream or are on their way to do so despite structural barriers. Census data show that more than 3 million black students were enrolled in college or graduate school in 2018. According to the Washington Post, 23 unarmed black people were killed by police that year. This is 23 too many, yet roughly 136,000 black students were in higher education for each unarmed black person killed by police. Says there are pathways to power for young black people. That's why our nation's educators must help black girls and boys cultivate a sense of personal agency and convince them that their deliverance is determined more by their own actions than by the incantations of a newly enlightened majority. And this is exactly, exactly right. But what is this really about for a lot of white people? It's about making themselves feel good. And this is how you end up with the solipsistic, self-righteous nonsense you see at Slate. Like Slate is sort of the bleeding edge of the solipsistic nonsense of the white woke left. It's really incredible. There's a piece I need to read you a little bit from in just a second, because it, it tells you what you need to know about this mentality. But first, let's talk about the fact that if your car breaks down, you probably don't know how to fix it unless you are some sort of mechanical genius. Not because, you know, the normal car parts are broken, but because all these cars now have computer systems from electronically controlled transmissions to touch screen displays to dozens of sensors. If your car breaks down, you're going to pay a lot of money for it unless you have CarShield. It's why I have CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands of bucks for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as 99 bucks a month, no long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield will give you options others won't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work. CarShield will take care of the rest. They, offer, they also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and rental car while your car is being fixed. Again, this is really, really convenient stuff. There's no reason for you to spend a fortune on fixing your car when you could just go out and get Car Shield right now. For as low as 99 bucks a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000, mention code BEN, or visit carshield.com, use code BEN to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code BEN. A deductible may apply. Again, that's call 800-CAR-6000, mention code BEN, or carshield.com, use code BEN to save 10%. Okay, in just a second, we are going. I, I have to tell you about you know, what white woke, white woke liberals are doing to repent, to reestablish their own moral authority in just one second. First, if you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a reader's pass to dailywire.com. It's a great value for just three bucks a month. And when you sign up, you get that first month for only 99 cents. 
You also get access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, and access to exclusive editorials like this one, 10 problematic leftist films that could use warning labels, or better yet, we could just laugh at their absurdity. We have tons of great stuff, really, like a lot of great stuff over with the Reader's Pass, including a lot of my myth-busting. We put up a lot of my new myth-busters up at the Daily Wire Reader's Pass. If you haven't checked out our Reader's Pass already, go to dailywire.com, sign up for just a buck. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So as I say, this is all about the white liberals feeling better about themselves. That's, that's really what so much of this is about. Here is just a pathological case in point. There's a piece called, I think I've screwed up the way my kids think about race by a woman named Michelle Herman over at Slate.com. Okay, and this is one of their kind of dear Abby. It's like dear woke guidance person, dear woke guidance counselor, dear care and feeding. My family is white. We live in a predominantly white neighborhood. However, our kids, twin boys, went to a local public charter elementary and middle school that was very diverse. When it was time for high school, our twins were lucky enough to have their closest friends from elementary and middle school attend the same school. Each of the boys had a diverse group of friends, and they were taken aback as freshmen in high school by the way other kids sat at tables in same race clusters. The kids who'd gone to our small middle school, where tables were assigned by grade, continued to hang out at lunch together as a mixed group. Now my sons have graduated, and their closest friends are still a mix of black, Hispanic, and white kids. I've never been concerned about the kids having any issues around race, but one of our sons mentioned recently how irritated he is by the form he has to fill out regarding a college roommate. He has to specify his race, and all of the profiles of potential roommates he views also include race. He says all he cares about is if they are male or female and what their interests are. He doesn't care about race. With everything going on in the U.S. right now, I'm doing more reading on racism. And if I'm understanding correctly, not caring about race is almost as bad as focusing only on race. Should he care what race his friends are, or is it okay for him to not even care or notice? Is there something we should be doing or talking to our kids about before they go to college, or is it too late? Are they just as racist as someone who has only white friends, or am I worrying about nothing? Okay, making a mountain out of a molehill, uh, making a mountain out of an anthill, that's what this person calls themselves. Dear making a mountain out of an anthill. I don't believe for a second you think your kids are racist. So this feels like a disingenuous question. One meant to challenge the idea that not caring about or not noticing race is itself racist. So I will say this. Not caring about or noticing race is a privilege reserved for people who are white. Black and brown people in the U.S. do not have that luxury. And not just with everything going on right now, but ever. And that's the thing you should be talking to your kids about, for starters. As the sociologist Megan Underhill, who studies race and family, has said, White people aren't outside of race. They're at the top of the racial hierarchy. Dismissing or downplaying this reality only perpetuates inequity and violence. It's great your kids have grown up with a diverse group of friends. It ought to be the norm. But non-racism is only the first step toward a more just society. Anti-racism requires more of us. I trust that your sons would embrace the opportunity to learn how to take the next steps. I urge you to take them right along with your kids. You see, you're evil. Your kids have a diverse group of friends. And they don't care what the race of their roommate is because they're racist. They're not anti-racist enough, which means that they are racist. This is what this is. You feel better about yourselves? Woke white authorities making the world worse, making literally making the world worse, just tearing down statues of great Americans and talking about how all of American history is evil and how nothing unifies us and how if you have a diverse group of friends and you just tend to think of them as your friends, that's because you're just a you're just a bad white person. You're just a bad, evil white person because black and brown people, we know, have to think in terms of race. But if you're a white person and you have a bunch of black and brown friends, well, you're probably a racist if you don't see them as black and brown friends because you have to see people in terms of race in order to, in order to what exactly? In order to what? In order to make rectification for your white guilt? Hey, how, how bad has this become, by the way? The UCLA politics department is about to condemn a white lecturer for reading the N-word. Why? Because um, he read the MLK letter from Birmingham jail, which uses the N-word. 
So th- this, is, this is how far we have come. This is how far we have come. Now, this does have some real-world consequences. You know, it sounds as though this doesn't, but it turns out that ideology has consequences. When you suggest that the chief obstacle to equality in the United States is the system itself, when you suggest the chief threat to black people in the United States is white people, and when you suggest the only way that black people are going to get ahead in the United States is for white people to accept the responsibility for every wrong in American life and every decision made by somebody else in American life, there is no cure. There is no cure. And not only that, it leads to the promulgation of crappy policy. This is what half of the Black Lives Matter movement has been about, is this idea that, that the chief problem facing black Americans is police brutality. Okay, in reality, police brutality and police racism, so first of all, there's no evidence of systemic police racism in the United States. The idea that police all over the United States are systemically racist. The evidence of that is incredibly scanty, incredibly scanty. Okay, as far as police brutality, that would be theoretically a problem for all Americans. And there are plenty of tapes of, of the cops treating white people badly. And there, you can think of that, that protester who got pushed over, the 75-year-old man who cracked his head on the back of his head, cracked the back of his head, right, white guy. Police brutality, not restricted to any one race. But the, one of the Black Lives Matter movement's chief arguments is that the entire system is racist and the tip of the iceberg is policing. The tip of the iceberg is policing. The disparate crime statistics between white and black in the United States are not a reflection of underlying individual criminal activity. They're a reflection of the evils of the system itself. And so the solution is to stop policing. And this is what's behind the defund the police movement. This is why Black Lives Matter equals defund the police was painted on the streets of Washington, D.C. Well, it turns out that actually has some, some real consequences. So in the newfound, beautiful, pacifistic haven of Chaz slash Chop over in Seattle, they banned the cops, right? The cops were not allowed to come in because it's autonomous. It's the, it's the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. They called it now the, the occupied protest, but originally it was the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Well, over the weekend, somebody got shot and died there. Officers responded around 2.30 a.m. local time to a report of shots fired at Cal Anderson Park, which is inside Chaz, according to a police statement. Officers attempted to locate a shooting victim, but were met by a violent crowd that prevented officers safe access to the victims, according to a statement from the cops. Police said they were later informed that CHOP medics had taken the two victims to a hospital. Officers then went to Harborview Medical Center, where they were told a 19-year-old male had died from his injuries. Police said the other shooting victim, a male, remains in the hospital with life-threatening injuries. Police later released footage of the incident. The video shows the initial moments of the shooting in which the sound of shots was captured on security cameras. Later, body camera video showed protesters confronting police as they arrived at the scene. That video shows at least eight officers entering the area, some carrying shields as protesters yell at them. An officer can be heard saying, please move out of the way so we can get to the victim. All we are trying to do is get to the victim and provide them aid. A bystander can be heard yelling, you don't belong here. They're gone. The victim is gone. Another says, put your effing guns down. So literally two people were shot. I believe, that the, uh, I believe that the guy who died was black, is my understanding. But the chief threat to black people is the police who are coming in to deal with this problem, according to the protesters over in Chaz. A later clip shows police leaving as members of the public continue to yell at them. Some can be seen holding back other protesters from the officers as they head toward their patrol cars. As the officer wears the, wearing the camera pulls away, he yells, move, move out of the way, as protesters apparently hit the car. Okay, and, and Raz Simone, who is the alleged warlord of this of this place, he, he's upset about this. He tweeted out that this is the fault of the cops, obviously. Everything is the fault of the cops. We ban the cops, it's their fault. We let them in, it's their fault. No matter what happens, we aren't, I, the warlord of Chaz, am not responsible. He tweeted out, medics refused to help even after people in the chop begged. They let our bro bleed out for 30 minutes till he died. F politics, F your corrupt system, C-U-R-R-U-P-T. Okay, good, good stuff there from, from Raz Simone. 
So the autonomous zone established in defiance of the evil police calls the cops as soon as there's a problem and then bar the cops from actually entering. And it's the fault of the cops. Do you feel like maybe this has nothing to do? A lot of these protests have nothing to do with actually achieving good things on behalf of black people and have everything to do with castigating the system. That a lot of this has to do with that. There are many good hearted people who are protesting who believe, obviously, that they're improving the system and there are systematic improvements that can be made when it comes to police brutality. But the the outsized insanity that leads to people cheering on Chaz, cheering down the tearing down of statues, that is not going to improve the lives of black Americans. It is not. I mean, here's the proof. Over, over the weekend or over last week, there were 51 shootings in New York. 51. There were at least 24 victims in 18 incidents on Sunday alone, according to the NYPD. Maybe that has something to do with the fact that the NYPD has been absolutely neutered by Bill de Blasio. Maybe that has something to do with the fact that the that the mayor and the, and the media have decided the cops are the bad guys. There was also, by the way, a shooting spree in Minneapolis. So remember that time when um, Minneapolis basically decided to disestablish its police department? It turns out that when you get rid of the cops, you're going to want those cops back. As I, as I said last week, you're going to miss those cops when they are gone. Who thinks this has improved the lives of the people in Minneapolis? The police were the actual bad guys. The system is the actual bad system. Also over the weekend... There were more gunshots fired at the Atlanta Wendy's, which is exciting stuff. So remember that Wendy's where, uh, where Rayshard Brooks was shot because he was sleeping behind the wheel of a car in the drive through lane? The Wendy's called the cops. By the way, black-owned Wendy's, they called the cops. The, the cops arrived, had a conversation with Rayshard Brooks for like 25 to 40 minutes, and then he wrestled two of them to the ground, stole a taser, shot one of the cops with the taser, tried to shoot the other cop with the taser, and was shot for his trouble. And then people tried to burn down the Wendy's. Well, now there was more shooting that broke out at Wendy's over the weekend. So things are going great in Atlanta. Well done, everybody. Here's what that sounded like. People running away because uh, shooting broke out at the Wendy's again. That's excellent stuff. Yeah, it turns out that this new world, it kind of sucks. Kind of blows, it turns out. This, This new world that is being created by the left. It's kind of terrible, and it actually makes room for people to act horribly. It makes room for people to act horribly. Another instance of somebody acting horribly over the weekend. According to the New York Post, there's a Michigan rapper. He shot a viral video of his brother slugging a white guy inside a Macy's department store. Okay, and this, this went absolutely viral. And then, so the, here, is, here is the video of the guy just walking up and just slugging a white dude in a, in a Macy's department store. Boy. Oh, shit. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I didn't touch you. Don't touch me. I didn't touch you. Quit touching me. Yeah, don't hurt. Don't hurt. Stop moving. Sorry. Don't hurt. I'm sorry. And he's just beating the hell out of the guy, right? Well, according to the according to the guy's brother who posted the video, he said that this guy called them the N-word. Okay, FT Quay said his brother acted on instinct that his violent reaction was spur of the moment. Instead, I just want people to know the real story of really what's happened and what's in the description of me and my brother just walking into Macy's, just minding our own business. And yes, we made a petty joke and asked the guy, was the shirt too little when he could have asked me? He was just being funny. And just the fact of the remark he said that we all heard and just what else were we supposed to do? In this day and age and time, he didn't know what else to do. That was just his instinct. The video shows Quay's brother, who is black, punching a white store employee and knocking him to the ground then hitting him twice more as he tries to crawl, uh, crawl away. Flint police launched an investigation after the video was posted on social media. They said they're looking for Quay and his brother. Macy's officials identified the white man as a store employee and called the attack unprovoked. Naturally, the get out of jail free card for an unprovoked attack 
is that you suggest that the person used the N-word, which makes full sense. I'm sure that this happened where? At Genovese Valley Center Mall in Flint Township in Flint, Michigan, which is a heavily black area. I'm sure that this, this employee has never seen a black person before at, at Macy's and just decided to use the N-word randomly out of nowhere. Or alternatively, Macy's has all of this on tape. And when Macy says this was an unprovoked attack, that's because it was an unprovoked attack. But as, so long as you invoke the history of racism of the United States, all bad behavior is apparently approved. All bad behavior is okay. People are tweeting this out with sympathy for the guy who is knocking down the, who is knocking down the Macy's store employee. Not kidding. That's, that's an actual thing. What a wonderful country we're creating for ourselves. Meanwhile, by the way, you know how Atlanta is basically burning down? How Atlanta is a disaster area and police are walking off the job? The good news is the Democratic Party is approving all of this. The Atlanta mayor is, is now being asked whether she ought to be the vice presidential pick for Joe Biden on Jake Tapper's show on CNN. So things are going beautifully here. Vice President uh, Joe Biden has said that his first criteria for picking a running mate is that the person be ready on day one to be president of the United States. Uh, you are a contender to become Joe Biden's vice presidential nominee. Are you ready on day one to be president of the United States? Yes, but I also think that Joe Biden has the right to pick whomever he wants to uh, work alongside him and to serve as his vice president. Final capper on today's stupid news. So everyone will be eaten and the left will not escape this. The left will not escape this. There's not a single person on the left who's going to escape this unless they simply bow to the whims of the white, the white woke priesthood and, and, the, and the people like Nicole Hannah-Jones over at the New York Times. Jimmy Kimmel has to go on vacation now. Jimmy Kimmel's going on vacation because people are, are pointing out that back during The Man Show, 1999 to 2004, he put on blackface and, and played Carl Malone and also did a parody of the Oprah Winfrey show called Oprah Jim Free. So apparently he is canceled now as well. Everyone gets canceled. Everyone gets canceled because the revolution must be perpetual. And the only way America can ever be better is for the revolution to continue apace. And all the heroes of yesterday will be made into villains today. And all the heroes of today, by the way, as you note right now, they will be made into villains tomorrow. Robespierre was one of the first people to the guillotine. So enjoy yourselves, gang, because you've decided that the equal rights that Americans fought and paid in blood and died for, and that black Americans fought for those, those rights that black Americans spent centuries fighting for and were achieved, those rights, in the end, they just weren't all that important. The only real thing that matters is virtue signaling and tearing down the system of rights itself. And what an, what an ugly country we are creating. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content, including President Trump's big Tulsa rally. Didn't go all that great, but we'll explain why. Plus, we'll be getting to an incredible story of Amazon now, barring particular points of view. We'll get to all that. You're listening to The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. 
Black Lives Matter founders admit they're trained Marxist organizers. Rioters toppled more statues, and President Trump holds his first rally since the Wu flu lockdowns. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.